Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is June 11th, 2019. 89 days to kick off. Boom! Done under a 90. We got some good news about training camp today. What happened? They released the schedule. Oh. You're going to be very thrilled about this. Starts July 26th. That's a Friday. It's my birthday. That's your birthday. Happy birthday, Ralph. Yes. The Buccaneers got you a present. (laughs) Most of the practices are at four. There's two um, on August 13th and 14th that start at 10, and then they have a 6.30 practice. August 3rd. On August 3rd. They will have bleachers. Part of it might be inside. Now, these are all the practices that are open to the public. Correct. Okay. The players report on the 25th, and then the first practice is the 26th. That's when they all get weighed in and branded like cattle and stuff? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So if you want to go to practice, you do have to have tickets. It's free admission, but you have to go through the website to reserve your spot. Unless it's going to be rainy or thunderstormy, that's a word, then practice is going to be outside. Bruce Arians is not going to have many practices inside if he can help it. Right, but they will have bleachers and tents. Them hot sauna bleachers and tents. Well, I think that they're trying to mitigate kind of the effects of the weather by having them a little bit later at 4 rather than... We went at 10, I think, and oh, God, it was sweltering. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Bruce Arians said he wants to mimic play times as much as possible. So they're going to have one early in the morning to simulate the London game. They're going to have some at night to simulate Thursday night games. Which is a great idea. And that's part of the reason why he's not practicing in the indoor facility is that we need to use the weather to our advantage. And if our players are used to practicing in the air conditioning, it kind of defeats that purpose. I guess. You disagree with that? I don't know. That Tampa heat would just sap the energy out of you. Right. But then you're used to it. Are you, though? There's a whole adage of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, except things like, I don't know, radiation, sun poisoning. I don't know. There's a whole lot of people that live in Tampa and do just fine. And they all sit inside in air conditioning as much <laughs> as possible. Well, you jumped right into that. I, I thought it was a good segue. Yeah, we didn't get any follow-ups or fact checks in or All nothing. right, get to it then. All right, follow-up. Tom Coughlin is 72, not 130 like Molly said. <laughs> <laughs> he does look old as shit. He's like the Crypt Keeper at this point, I think. He yeah. looked old when he was coaching. That's what I was going to say. He's looked old for like 50 years. He's one of those babies that come out looking old. <laughs> like a Benjamin Button, but they don't like reverse age. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep getting older. I don't know. A lot of babies do coming out, come out looking like grumpy old men. Especially the bald ones. Yeah. Our baby looked like a grumpy old man. She had a full head of hair, though. She did. Like a comb over. She had like a comb over. Follow up. Leonard Wester is no longer with the Buccaneers and is with the Jaguars, as Molly luckily pointed out. Right. That was all luck. That was pure luck. Pure luck. I even picked a team. Get out of here. You had a 1 in 31 shot at getting that right. Really a 1 in 30 shot because I knew he wasn't with the Bucs anymore. That's why I said 31 because it's 32 teams. Oh, okay. Math. Math. (laughs) (laughs) Another follow up. We were talking about all the franchise records that Jameis Winston holds. Here's the ones he holds. Jameis Winston has 
The touchdown record for the Buccaneers, he's thrown 88. Josh Freeman is second with 80. He holds yards per game at 261.2. Second place is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, God. With 247.8. Then Josh Freeman, 225.6. Okay, but why don't they have like a minimum? Because those numbers are skewed, Ryan Fitzpatrick's, because he didn't play that many. He started like 14 games for us. All right, he played in 14. He started 10 games. So, you know, that's that's, that's enough to qualify. That's not a very big sample size, though. It's big enough. You're big enough. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Brad Johnson comes in. He rounds it out with 223.2 yards per game. So, Jameis is pretty high up there. 261.2. That's a lot. He's second in yardage. He's got 14,628 yards in 56 games. He will eclipse Vinny Testaverde this year. Vinny Testaverde holds the record at 14,820 yards in 76 games. So there's less than a 200-yard difference. So he could do it the first game. Right. And look at that. Jameis Winston had reached that level in 56 games. It took Vinny Testaverde 76 games to get there. Well, to be fair to Vinny, he didn't have Mike Evans. This is true. And he also didn't have all the rules that balance Mm -hmm. it out towards the offense either. That's true. Now, that's it for franchise records that Jameis Winston holds. However, I found an interesting thing going through these stats. Jameis Winston, we've all heard, you know, he makes a lot of dumb decisions and he has a lot of turnovers. That's not true in a relative sense. It's just that he has been throwing the ball so much. I mean, he's out there throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. That's not how it's supposed to be. You want to be around about 30. So he's been throwing more than he's supposed to be mainly because we don't have a run a game and other things because we're always behind. But he has a 3% interception ratio. Okay, how is that calculated? Th- that 3% means, of the passes that he throws are intercepted. Yes, out of every 100 passes, three of them are going to be interceptions. Now, that is lower than Vinny Testaverde, Steve DeBerg, Josh McCown, Steve Young, Trent Dilfer, Doug Williams, Steve Spurrier, Brian Greasy, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Freeman, and Sean King. Those were all Bucks quarterbacks? Those were all Buccaneers quarterbacks. Okay. However... Byron Leftwich, Brad Johnson, Jeff Garcia, and Mike Glennon all had better interception ratio. But again, those sample sizes, not that big for Josh Johnson, or Byron Leftwich. He didn't play that many. Mike Glennon, he started a season, right? Now, Glennon started 18 games for us, played in 21. You're correct about Byron Leftwich, though. He only started three games for us and played in three, so. Okay. Yeah. Still, it's quite impressive. I was kind of that surprised. Is. And, you know, because that's all we ever hear about with Winston. Right. And his fumbling was below average, too. Don't have the stats for that right offhand. Another interesting thing, it's not a franchise record, but a league record. Uh, most pass touchdowns prior to 22nd birthday since the 1970 merger. Jameis Winston has 22. He leads that category. Second place is Sam Darnold at 17. Drew Bledsoe had 15. And Matthew Stafford had 13. It's crazy how young Jameis Winston is. Just makes me question what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> oh. I've had 22. He's breaking NFL records. <laughs> well, hey, like I said, don't ever compare yourself to other people. You don't know the struggles they had or how easy it was. You never know. Well, if you were born born a six foot four, two hundred and some pound guy, you might would have had more of a chance to make it in the NFL. Maybe. Molly. Genetics. You just didn't win that lottery no, there, did you? Not at all. We had talked about last week some of the things we were worried about with the season that we could see might could possibly go wrong. There's an infinite number of things that could go wrong, but we were just throwing some stuff out there that had been kind of on our minds. And I had said, what happens if Gerald McCoy comes in week two 
and just beats us like redheaded stepchildren. I mean, that would be pretty devastating for a team that's trying to gel together and they're trying to get confidence in the head coaching staff and all that. That would possibly make them go, wow, y'all really made a big mistake there. But then it dawned on me after the podcast, we got to play Quan Alexander week one. The same thing could happen. Imagine if we go week one, get beat by 49ers at home. Quan Alexander has a great game. You know, gets a couple interceptions, maybe runs one back for a touchdown or sacks Jameis a couple of times or knocks Mike Evans out of the game. Who knows? All kinds of stuff that could happen. And then we go to the Carolina the next week, and McCoy whoops up on us. That would destroy our season. It would take it would take a miracle to be able to pull out of that one. So that's kind of scary. Not that it's going to happen. But you never know, man, any given Sunday. That would be terrible. It would definitely not help Jason Light's case too much. No, not at all. I mean, I think people, it would bury Jason Yeah, Light. I think so, too. we got to win both of those games. We can't have... Either one of those players do good and lose. We've got to win, and we got to shut them down. I now, mean, we could win, and they still play well. That'd be fine too. Not that's not best case scenario. Best case scenario is we yeah. shut both of them down and win. But if we still walk away with a W, it wouldn't be as concerning. But then again, it wouldn't surprise me if Jeremy McCoy's out for that game. Yeah, gets injured in training camp or something. Did you see that? The Damakong Sue video of him mic'd up at training camp. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so awesome. Uh, Will Goldstein was following him around like, like a, a puppy. puppy dog. It was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> like he was totally fanboying the whole time. Yeah, well, one time he was like, I want to learn everything you know or something know. like that. <laughs> like, whoa, take it down a notch, Will. Yeah. <laughs> You're Sue- coming on a little strong, buddy. And Sue was giving him some good advice and, and all that. Jenna You could see why they brought him in. Because for someone like Will Goldston, who has played in, in the team for, what, three, four years, for him to be budding up with a veteran like that and asking him for tips and still be wor- willing to learn from him and eager to learn from him. Goldston's been with the team six years. Wow. I know. That's now, even worse. That proves my point even now, more. Um, imagine if him... And Noah Spence really step it up and blow it out this year, that is going to, to me, be a big indictment on Jeremy McCoy's leadership capabilities. Because I do believe You're just looking for anything oh, to yeah, indict his leadership capabilities. This is true. Uh you're reading the tea leaves there, Ralph. But wouldn't that say something? Because, you know, a good leader makes those around him better. And Golston's been kind of He's been average. Yeah. He's run stuffer. You know, he's I mean, good he's at a that. rotational guy. I mean, the guy started forty eight games for us, played in eighty seven. You know, come on. And and what do we know about him? Yeah, he's a good run stuffer. Yeah. That's it. And Noah Spence has just completely fallen off the planet. So if they come in and have a fantastic year, which I think they're going to, the, to me, that's really going to say a lot. Of course, a lot of people say, oh, it's the coaching. And it right. probably is. But How much of it is correlation versus causation? Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out. You know what I'm going to attribute it to. I absolutely know what you will attribute it to. <laughs> Speaking of bad leadership, did you see that Kellen Winslow Jr. got found guilty on some of the charges? And they're still deliberating some of the other felony charges. But the ones he has been found guilty of so far, he's going at least minimum 15 years. Right. He got convicted of one rape charge. I think the old lady that he jerked it in front of in the hot tub, I don't think that one. Yeah, yeah. that one didn't go through. Mm -hmm. And then they were still deliberating on some of them. But the rape charge is the big one. Yeah. It's a shame. It's sad, you know. And a lot of people attribute stuff like that. They'll say, oh, well, 
You know, you don't see this type of stuff in the NHL or the or NASCAR or the NBA or the MLB. It seems to only be in the NFL. And then they go, well, it's because of CTE or something like that. No, it's not. NASCAR drivers get much more head jerking than football players do. Hockey? Come on now. Hockey is probably one of the most violent sports right underneath boxing, maybe. You know, if anybody's got CTE, it's going to be those guys. I don't know. It just seems that... Well, and also... There's more football players. You know, there's, what, 1,500, somewhere in that area of football players in the NFL. In the NBA, there's nowhere near that many. Maybe a couple hundred. You know, NASCAR, you've only got 60, maybe. You know, and the same thing with the NHL. You know, they don't have 53-man rosters and then practice squad guys and all this. So the NFL is larger, so of course you're going to have the more odd people in it. And it's the bigger sport out of all of them. And so yes. when an NFL player gets any kind of in, gets in any kind of trouble, they're focusing on it because it's yes. a larger sport. There's this more is, eyes on it. They're going to report on it. This is true. Yeah. And plus there's the agenda there. They want to tone down the aggressiveness mm-hmm. in football so right. then they can point to this and say oh look what it does to people it makes you a rapist and then <laughs> <laughs> football makes you a rapist guys yeah so then they can you know take out the hard hits and all that nonsense i find it funny how we talk about cte and brain damage and all that good stuff and a lot of people that talk about it are former players like chris Collinsworth and phil sims Terry Bradshaw, we've, we've discussed this, and those guys seem fine. Well, maybe not Terry Bradshaw. He's drunk off his ass every every TV appearance. I love watching him on TV. He is funny. He is funny. You know, he, he's a pretty funny actor, too. What was that movie with Matthew McConaughey? Or not Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey, where he was living at home, and Terry Bradshaw was his dad. <laughs> Failure to launch? Failure to launch, yeah. I couldn't watch it because of Sarah Jessica Parker. I can't stand her. Horse face? Yeah, horse face. (laughs) She gets on my nerves. We're just being mean today. I know. So anyhow, I I think they overblow the CTE stuff. One of these days I'm going to do a podcast about that, but I'm going to probably make a lot of people upset because that is the flavor of the year or whatever. Well, if you're not concerned about it, you don't care about the players. That's what they make it out to be. Yeah, I guess that's... I don't know. It makes sense, I guess, but I'm more into truth, facts, not feelings. Not feelings, yeah. <laughs> how I'm supposed to be concerned about these people's personal lives or something. I don't know. That's another thing with I, I just not a big fan of getting all up in their personal lives. Yeah. I don't care. Like I've said before, if they, I don't care if they kick puppies down the road. If they play good football, I want them on my team. <laughs> so this is right after we're talking about Kellen Winslow. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to that interview with Low Locust on the Football Girl podcast. I saw a lot of people talking about that. It was pretty good, huh? Yeah. She's very personable, Low. Um, Is that what she goes by? Low? Yeah. And some interesting tidbits I learned about her. She didn't start playing football until she turned 40. Wow. Yeah. What, playing football? Yes, what playing about, football. What about coaching football? Um. Well, she got her first NFL coaching opportunity at 55. What? How old is she? 55. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So, but she... She does not look 55. No, not at all. Wow. And the interviewer asked her, like, what drew you to football? And she's like, I just like to hit people. There you go. Which was a really good answer. (laughs) Like, that's why we watch football, because we like to watch people get hit. Thank you. So, her... Interview was really good. If you have a chance to listen to it, 
a little thing I didn't know. She's a fan of the Steelers. Boo. Boo. What? Yeah. We play them. I know. Preseason. She grew up in Pennsylvania. Wait a minute. So initially, when she started watching football, when she's been a football fan her whole life. Oh, she watched it during the Steel Curtain. Well, she would watch. They would have the Colts in wherever she lived. That was the market. And then Mm. the Colts moved from Baltimore. And so it was the Steelers then. I was a fan of the Steelers back then, too, with Lynn Swan, Steel Curtain, Terry Bradshaw. Was he drunk on the field? Like he is in the booth? Yeah, he played really weird. Almost like Jameis Winston, where it's just like, chuck it and pray. Wasn't he the one with the immaculate reception? Yep. Cool. Only a drunk person can do that. Right, exactly. (laughs) I'm going to bounce it off this guy's helmet, and you're going to catch it. She's saying that the coaches during OTAs are working like 13-hour days. The Buccaneer coaches? Yeah. Hmm. Which is crazy. She said they get there really early, like 6 in the morning. The players come in around 8. They start on the field at 10. And then the players leave. And then the coaches are still there. I thought B.A. was not big in the... For the players, I think. No, he told his coaches, you know. I don't want you... If you're working... What is it What is it he says? If you're, if you're working that many hours a day, you don't know what you're doing. This game's not that hard. I mean, that's his thing, he says. Well, I don't know. Yeah. They're there 13 hours. Maybe maybe they're hiding from him. They don't want... Let's not let BAC us working. <laughs> <laughs> of course, with being a woman, there were questions about that. And well... well so it was a female podcast, right? Yeah, the so, football girl. So I think she okay. kind of focuses on that. Yeah. Which, whatever. She was a journalist. I think Melissa Jacobs was the name. She's a sports journalist. I think she worked for ESPN and started a podcast. Um Lowe doesn't want to be the token woman. I mean, she talked about, yeah, it's empowering to other people. You know, I hope that I inspire their women if this is what they want to do. But I don't want to be the token woman. And I don't want to be here just because I'm a woman. And she said, at the end of the day, we're all trying to keep our jobs. Like, jobs in the NFL are so fleeting. And you can lose it very quickly. So she's just trying to do what she can to stay in her position where she is. She'd like to get a head defensive line position, maybe down the road, and maybe a defensive coordinator position. But again, she's 55, so it's, you know, she's just starting her NFL career now. (laughs) You know, how long would it take her to get to that place? I don't know. And she was realistic about it. They asked about the locker room talk around her, and she was like, I don't want players to have to censor themselves around me because it really changes the... Like, I don't want to be a hindrance to anything. So she said, you know, you hear it, you dish it back, whatever. It's not really a big deal. She said, I probably need to say fewer (laughs) (laughs) F-bombs. You know, guys want that. If there's going to be a female coach, I would imagine they want want her to be in there cussing and talking crap with the rest of them. Exactly. Being able to hang. So she sounded really down to earth and... Relatable. Hmm. It was cool. When she was playing semi-professionally, she played linebacker and defensive end, but she got hurt in her fourth year. And they actually, in this league, had to pay to play. That's crazy. Yeah. So they weren't actually, she wasn't making any money off of it. She was losing money. Yeah. And she had kids at the time. She was working full time. She had her kids. So there was kind of that balance, that work-life balance. But her kids are 22 and 29 now, so... None of that anymore, I don't think. No, she's got them out of the house, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One's in San Francisco, and I forget where the other one was. What's he doing in San Francisco? 
He's doing AIDS and pride work. Figures. If you're in San Francisco, that's what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's what San Francisco was built on. Although, wasn't that movie we watched last night? What was the name of it? You'll Always Be My Maybe on uh, Netflix. Yes, it was. They were Asian. Were yeah. They Korean? I don't know. They were all different. They were in San Francisco. Yeah. And it's, apparently, there's a huge Asian population in San Francisco. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I've never been. Me neither. I California kind of scares me. Because it's one of those places where I think if I ever go, I'm going to want to live there because of the <laughs> weather. I mean, it just sounds gorgeous. I mean, it's tropical weather all the time. Yeah. But, man, you get so soft. What you have to do is you have to live in California once and then live in New York City once to harden you back up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, live in California, get soft. and Or the other way around. Go to New York. Because then if you went to California from New York, you'd be a total jerk. Yeah, probably. People wouldn't want to hang out with you. <laughs> Speaking of California... Oakland. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Guess what we're going to be watching for Hard Knocks. I'm so excited about this. It's going to be such a shit show. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They already have Antonio Brown on the promotion, like the picture. Ugh. It's going to be awesome. And Gruden is going to be hogging the camera everywhere it goes. Yeah. They got so many. And you got Incognito is going to be there. He's going to be trying to be a choir boy, of course, in front of the camera. Antonio Brown, too, I think. Doug Martin's back. Oh, he is? Yeah. Did they pick him up? Yeah. And then Derek Carr. We don't know what the drama is with Gruden and Derek Carr. I am so surprised that he's kept Derek Carr this long. I guess there's still a chance that he could be cut. That is going That is going to be a good, good hard knocks. That's where Mike Lennon is. We're going to get to see the giraffe. Oh, my gosh. J.J. Nelson is there, too. Now, Donald Penn, they didn't pick him back up, right? They didn't? No. Oh, man. What ha- I guess he's retiring? Not hmm. willingly. i tell you what, he had a great, illustrious career, man. So how do you think Oakland will do this year? Oh, they're going to crash and burn. <laughs> I think so, too. Dumbest thing, getting rid of Cleo Mack and then getting rid of Amari Cooper. was just, It was mind-blowing to me. What were they thinking? I mean, Amari Cooper is by far the best route runner in the NFL, I think. And we all saw what Khalil, Khalil Mack does. Good Lord. Why would, what? Gruden is, he's mentally deficient. Greg Olson is still their offensive coordinator. Woof. How did that happen? Remember, he was Raheem's offensive coordinator with us. And then he's been at Oakland, I think, since then. And how many head coaches have they had in the meantime? They keep at at least as many as we have. We've been been running neck and neck with them. It shows the cycle of the NFL, you know, how some teams. You know, we ro- Oakland rose up with us at the same time. We met at the Super Bowl. We bo- we both fell at the same time. We've been in the bottom of the barrel for the most part for the same amount of time. I think they did a huge mistake getting John Gruden in there, though. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an awesome, awesome hard knocks, though. So that starts August 6th on HBO. That's right around the corner. Fonte's perfect. He's on their defense. No, I, forgot I about thought that. he retired. No. Are you sure? I'm almost positive he retired. I mean, what is going to happen when Vontez Perfect and Richie Incognito hit each other in practice one day? <laughs> it's going to be. Is he just collecting like these big names? That's how I feel. Gruden's not a big name guy. Gruden likes to be the biggest name on the team. I don't know what he's doing, to be honest with you. Well, he's got the guy from ESPN is the general manager. Mike Mayock. Yeah, that guy is thinking he knows all kinds of stuff about football. So we're going to find out. It's going to be interesting as hell. He sees something in incognito and perfect that, I don't know. 
How long before Mike Mayock and John Gruden start going at it? I know, right? And because, how much power does Mike Mayock actually have? Yeah. Is he just a figurehead? Because Gruden, what, he get a 10-year, $4 billion deal or some crap <laughs> with Oakland? And, you know, when he came to the Buccaneers, he was basically the general manager, too. He ended up running out our general manager. So talk about an ego. He's got double-wide doors all throughout his house just to get his head going. <laughs> Ian Beckles always talks about that with him, too, because I think... Did he play under no, Gruden? He was no. way before Gruden. Yes. Well, it should be a good season of Hard Knocks anyway. I think it's going to be great. That's To me, that's when football season starts is when Hard Knocks comes on. Well, then all the preseason games start right around that yep. time, too. That's when it all just coalesces. And then it's just football, football, football. And I get to come out of my hibernation and drink a lot of beer, eat a lot of chips and wings. I ain't no vegan. <laughs> Speaking of which, Gerald McCoy is going to wear number 93 at the Panthers. I'm not surprised by that. I kind of was a little bit because defensive tackle Kyle Love had 93. He's been wearing number 93. So I was interested to see what was going to happen there. McCoy obviously paid him quite a bit of money for it. They don't just do that as like a respect thing? I don't know. Well, I mean, he might have, but I would imagine there was some money that passed hands. It was like when Darrell Rivas came, he yeah. paid, uh, was it Leonard John? Who was no, it? No, Mark Barron. Mark Barron, yeah, paid him like 40 grand or something. No, it was like 10. Nah, yeah. 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 Boom, it was fifty thousand. Fifty grand he paid wow. for a number. Okay, you said forty, I said ten. That equals fifty grand. <laughs> <laughs> so collectively we were right. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was twenty percent right, you were eighty. This is this is the kind of logic I have to deal with here. <laughs> I'm not wrong though. There was ten grand in there. But yeah, Kyle Love, you know, he's uh second string. But he got 50% of the snaps last year, if I remember correctly. Like I said, they rotate these guys in all over the place. And I assume they're going to keep doing that this year. You know, Jeremy McCoy is not going to be a starter. He's not going to be in front of Quan Short or Don Terry Poe. It's so strange to me. So, yeah, so Kyle Love, who is listed as the fourth defensive tackle right now, he played 47% of the snaps, defensive snaps last year. Uh, compare that with Don Terry Poe, who played 52% of the snaps. Kawan Short played 57% of the snaps. These guys don't play. They're not three-down tackles in this system. So we'll see. And it's funny because right now they have Gerald McCoy listed in front of Kawan Short. They have Gerald McCoy as the starter. Kawan Short is the backup. They're paying Kawan Short $12.5 million in base salary next year. Oof. Now, Carolina Panthers doesn't have him listed as a starter. These are other sites. Yeah, Kwan Short's making thirteen million, eighteen point five dead cap space. Cap hit seventeen million. Ooh, yeah, ouch. and you're gonna tell me they're gonna have him second string? I don't think so. And like I said, Kyle Love, who Gerald McCoy took his jersey, he's fourth stringer, and he's getting fifty percent of the snaps. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that all shakes out in North Carolina. Did you see that they got the statue up in Tampa for? Leroy Selman? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice statue. They had a good unveiling ceremony with his family and stuff. Tom Bassinger, beat writer for... Is he the beat writer? One of them. He's one He's of them. He's their stats guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. The uh, data parser or whatever he calls himself. Yeah, so he uh, he tweeted it out in response to the statue being unveiled. He's still butthurt over the Gerald McCoy thing. He said, that statue is smiling too much. Never sacked anyone in the fourth quarter or led a team to the playoffs. I was like, seriously, dude. Wow. But that also got me to thinking, you know, we talked about, I had an add on to my 
the reasons why I was happy to see Gerald McCoy go, and it was because of his fourth quarter performances. It was really his second half performances, but his fourth quarter performances were not that great. So I, I decided, I was like, I'm going to look up and see how bad the Buccaneers were in the fourth quarter with while Gerald McCoy was there. Of the Buccaneers' top 50 blown leads, 17 of them happened since 2010 when McCoy joined the team. Wow. Yeah. 17 of them. Now, the franchise is 42 years old. 17 out of the top 50 is 36%. It should have been like 21% if you're just going to be average. It's 30, that's a 15% difference. That's almost double. It's crazy. 17 of the top 50 blown leads happened during Gerald McCoy's watch. And all we ever hear about is how bad the Buccaneers were since their inception. You know, the Buccaneers. Yeah, how right. long were they that? So, yeah, when you're thinking bad football, you're thinking... You know, the 70s and 80s. Nope. Not saying that they weren't bad, but when it comes to blown leads, the aughts have it. What, are they, what do you call that? The 2010s? The 10s? The 10s? Yeah, so. You call it the 10s? The 2010s. Yeah. I can't keep up with all this newfangled technology. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just found that interesting, you know? Thomas Bassinger is talking about, oh, he's never, you know, a statue. He's going to give a statue a hard time because it never went to the playoffs or won a game in the fourth quarter. I didn't even really understand the tweet. All I could tell was that he was at his keyboard crying because Jeremy McCoy was at the Panthers. <laughs> That's almost half. 17, half of 50 is 25. 17 blown leads of the top 50. That's almost half the blown leads in franchise history. The top 50. That's crazy. We blew a lot of leads. Could have been, could have used uh, some stops there defensively. It's kind of been our ML, right? Yep, kind of has been. God's going to be so glad to get rid of that mess. Ugh. That Washington game. Seeing we live in, in Washington territory. Can't stand Redskins fans. Almost as bad as Steelers fans. Close. The the good thing about Redskins fans is they only come out when they're winning. So, so they don't come out a whole lot. Yeah, we see them like the first three weeks of the season and then they pretty much call the season a wash. And then you don't hear from them. Yeah, the, oh god, it was so bad when they had RG three and no. he was like the Messiah. Yeah, they thought they thought that they were going to the Super Bowl every year for the next fifty years. That was kind of fun watching that dream yeah, crumble. But <laughs> Legion of Boom ended that <laughs> career real quick. But remember when we played them and we had them up and they came back and they beat us and who was our quarterback at the time? He come walking out of the locker room going, "You like that? How you like Kirk that?" Kirk Cousins, oh. that mother. Oh, that's still a GIF. Yes. You like that? I don't think I watched TV for a week after that. I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't bear to watch people gloat over that stuff. Mm. Yeah, the NFL Network just kept replaying that clip of him coming out. I hate when they show, like, great plays on NFL Network or something, and a lot of them are against the Buccaneers. Yeah. Oh, that really bothers me. I'm just like, ah. You know, that bothers me with Chris Conte. That his last game for the Buccaneers, he gets that stiff arm by the Steelers. That's what he's going to be known for. That's what he's going to be known for. That's sad. It sucks. Yeah. I liked him. I did too. He's a good player. He wasn't John Lynch, but he was a good player. Speaking of players, I thought we could play a little game. What? So we're going to do, we're going to look at the roster, who's on the roster, and decide if the player is going to be safe, if he's on the bubble, or if he's gone. And I have a spreadsheet. I'm recording all of them so I can tell you how wrong Ralph was at the end of all this. <laughs> and you know what's funny? We're, we're talking about who's going to be on the roster here. Greg Allman had an article out in The Athletic today where he's guessing the 53-man roster. I was like, really, dude? 
You should have called us beforehand because we were going to do the same thing. <laughs> so now Maybe I got it from him. I don't know. Now we're going to make a game out of it. It is. It's going to be a fun game. All right. Let's do the offense. Okay. Let's start with the center position. Start in the middle. Move the, out. The Buccaneers have Ryan Jensen and Nate Trewin listed as center. Who is Nate Trewin? Nobody. Yeah, he's a rookie. Undrafted free agent. Okay, so I think he's gone. I don't think he's got a chance. Yeah. He might get on the practice squad. Oh, we got to pick practice squad players too? No, okay. I'm just saying. So my prediction is Nate Trewin, he's not going to make it. Gone. Yeah, Ryan Jensen and Evan Smith are pretty much safe, I think. Right. Okay, but so what do you think about Nate Trewin? Gone. I can hear you clicking. That's okay. Enhance. Oops. Enhance. Okay, so... Ryan Jensen, he's definitely making the roster. What yes, do you think? Yes. Okay. Quick copy of my answers. I think we're going to be pretty similar on all these, I think. All right. At guard, we've got Zach Bailey, Alex Kappa, Ruben Holcomb, and Ali Marpet. Ali Marpet's definitely staying. Alex Kappa's staying. See, I think he might be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's staying. I was going to say on the bubble, but he's young. They kind of like him. We need some depth. I thought he did pretty good last year when he subbed in. These other two guys? Gone. Gone. Zach Bailey and... Reuben Holcomb. Reuben Holcomb. Where did we get him from? He played with Buffalo on the practice squad. Oh, he used to play... He, he was with us last year. We waved him before the season started, though. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Wave him once. <laughs> wave him again. All right. What do you think about Caleb Beninock? He's staying. You think so? Yes, I do. I think he could be on the bubble. Especially depending on how Earl Wadford does. Cole Boozer? Man, I don't know a thing about him, but gosh darn it, I want him on the team. <laughs> we, nobody's ever said anything about him. I've never seen a picture of him. Never. Nothing. But that with a name like that, you just got to be on the team. <laughs> no, he's on the bubble. Yeah, I think on the bubble. What about Michael Lidke? We got to have tackle depth, so I think we'll keep him. Yeah, that's what I think too. Evan Smith and Earl Wadford. Keep him both of them. I agree. What about this Donovan Smith guy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's questionable. Definitely keeping Donovan Smith. Definitely keeping DeMar Dotson. Did I say Reuben Holcomb's going to get cut? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That only leave us with one backup tackle. Oh, look, Caleb Beninock. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They put Caleb behind DeMar Dotson. Right. Yeah. So Lid then we've got Riley Mayfield as tackle and Brock Rubel. Not gone. I think so, too, mostly because I don't know anything about them. I mean, we'll keep maybe eight offensive linemen. Well, and they said that they may bring some in. Ah, that's true. All right, let's go through our wide receiving core because this is just outrageous. We've got 10, 13. We have 13 wide receivers. Wow. Okay, I'll tell you who's going to make it. Mike Evans, Scotty Miller. Really? You think Scotty's going to? Brashard Prairman. Yes, I, I do. How many are we keeping? How many wide receivers? Six? Seven? Seven. I think seven's a good number. All right. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashard Perriman, Scotty Miller. Okay. We've also got Anthony Johnson. Those are the only four I'm confident in. I know. Bobo, I think, is on the bubble. Yes. And Justin Watson's probably on the bubble, too. We've got the Xavier Ubosi, Anthony Johnson, Demarcus Lodge, KJ Brent, Bryant Mitchell, Cortrell Simpson, Spencer Schnell. Any one of those guys could pop off and. Vie for a job, the low-hanging fruit there with Bubba Wilson and Justin Watson. Okay, Anthony Johnson. I don't know anything about those guys. So I'm going to say, gosh, I would put them all in a bubble because I don't know anything about them. 
I mean, if you had a gun to my head, I would go with Chris Godwin, Brashard Perriman, Bobo Wilson, Mike Evans, Justin Watson, Scotty Miller, and then the rest would get cut. Yeah, but there's bound to be a couple guys that are their guys that they like. Yeah. I'm going to say that Cortrell Simpson, because they talked a little bit about him. Think I'd say he's, he's on the bubble. Okay. He could make it. I don't know about Scotty Miller. Where was he drafted? Third round? I want to say no, later four, than that. Yeah. He was drafted pretty late. Fourth or fifth? Sixth round. So real late. Yeah. So he's kind of a long shot to make it. Yeah, normally that's... They have been putting him in front of the cameras a lot. Yes, I watched a little clip thing that the Buccaneers did the other day where they had him in training camp. They were just focusing on him. Huh. So yeah, he might be a favorite to make it. My thought is that, okay, Evelyn's Godwin, they're good, and Burchard Perryman's, Perryman's good. Scotty Miller, mm, I'd put on the bubble. It's really going to depend on preseason, I guess. Yeah, because you get these guys, you know, in training camp, they bust it out, and then when it comes to actually playing in the game, they just disappear. Yeah. Remember uh, Kenny Bell? Who? <laughs> <laughs> he blocked that out. Uh. And then I think all the other ones, Cordrell Simpson, I think, has a chance to make it. Xavier Ubosi, just because of the connection to Todd Bowles, he came from the Jets, um, might be on the bubble, have a chance to make it. Justin Watson and Bobo, I think, are on the bubble. Justin Watson, the team has still kind of been marketing a little bit. So do you remember him from last season? Yeah. He played sparingly, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then we have a K.J. Brent. He's a wide receiver. I've never heard of him. Ooh. He's been around the league for a while. He's been... Oakland, Seattle, Indianapolis, but he hasn't played a whole lot. He's been signed and waived in a practice squad, then waived practice squad. He's activated with Indianapolis in December of 2017. But then they waived him the next year, put him on injured reserve. So Injury problems, it sounds like. Yeah, he's been bouncing around for three years. Okay, let's look at our tight ends. That's a tough one. This is a tough one. This is well, really the, good. The first one. two are easy. Right. OJ and Cameron Braid. I think they're both staying. Now, BA said they're going to keep three, most likely four, as long as the fourth one can do special teams well. Right. So I think, I don't know. We have all Claire, Donnie Ernsberger, Tanner Hudson, and Jordan Leggett. Jordan Leggett from came from the New Jets. Jersey, yeah. Donnie Ernsberger was with us last year on the practice squad. I think Eau Claire, they like Eau Claire for blocking. Yes. But to me, he's a liability. What, in blocking? Just in general. He got penalized so many times last season. Well, well you got to have at least one Canadian on your team. Is that the rule? <laughs> so I would go O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, Jordan Leggett, and Eau Claire. Okay, I would go Brait, O.J., Jordan Leggett. Yeah. I don't I just, I don't think Eau Claire is going to make it. Put him on the bubble or cut him? Yeah. Which one are you doing? Gone. Gone. So you think we're only going to keep three tight ends? Maybe. Yeah. Yes. All right. So Donnie Ernsberger's gone. Tanner Hudson's gone. Yes. And Jordan Leggett. They might keep Jordan Leggett. I'm going to put him on the bubble. Okay. Quarterbacks. Interesting one here. How many are we going to keep? We've got four on the roster right now. Jameis Winston, Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Grifford, and Nick Fitzgerald. I think they're going to keep Jameis, Blaine, and Nick. I think Ryan Griffin's gone. I think Ryan Griffin is gone, too. He was a favorite of Dirk. And I think Nick Fitzgerald is staying for his versatility because he's a lot like Taysom Hill, they've said. Mm -hmm. And then Blaine Gabbert, B.A., likes having that veteran presence. Right. Yeah, so I agree with you. Jameis Winston, Blaine Gabbert, and Nick Fitzgerald. You're copying my answers again. I said it first. <laughs> Oh, okay, so let's look at our running backs. 
Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, Sean Wilson, Dara Ogunwabale, Bruce Anderson, and Andre Ellington. Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones are staying. I figure we're going to keep four running backs. Wow. Yeah, this one's tough. Yeah. I would do... Gosh, the rest of them are on the bubble to me. Yeah. Sean Wilson, Dara Ogunwabale, Bruce Anderson, and Andre Ellington. You know, I'm... Thinking of saying Andre Ellington is going to make the team, but you know, the guy had a lot of injury problems, and B.A. might have him in here just for training camp to help the guys out. The only one I'm set on is Peyton Barber. I don't know about Rojo. Yeah, okay. I'm putting him on the bubble. Wow. Yeah. Dang. What what pick was he? Second? Second round? Yeah. Yeah, it's second round, 38th overall. Yeah. They might stick with him just because it's a second round pick, and it's only a second year. He had great college highlights, and they really talk him up. This new That's because staff. of his confidence issues. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which what, I don't even understand that. Was it last year? They talked about it all the time. About it. he just didn't have confidence. Yeah. What? What does that even mean? I don't know. I mean, how do you not have confidence, and how does that affect your football plan? But BA says confidence is what makes the difference between winners and losers. Yeah. So they put a lot of stock into it, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's what was the guy moping around in the hallways? <laughs> well, remember that article I read about his dad, oh, that's Rojo's right. dad, and he said the article said that they went to go meet an NFL player. They were big Cowboys fans, and Rojo was young, like you know, less than ten, and his dad took him, and Rojo was so excited, but he was so nervous, he just hid behind his dad basically the whole time. So he's a kind of a shy guy, huh? Yeah. That's I don't think topic. I've ever seen a press conference with him. No, interviews. I haven't either. Huh. Interesting. But I think that we'll keep Andre Ellington for the veteran pre- presence. Yeah, I agree with you. I No, I'm, I'm going to put him on the bubble, though. Keep him on the bubble for okay. me. Okay. Sean Wilson, I think, has a chance to make it. I'm going to put him... I'm going to put him as a keep. Really? Bruce Anderson, I would say, is on the bubble. And then Dare, he's on the bubble. Dare, you let me sit here and say dare all this time. People know what you mean by now. He was on our practice squad a lot last year. So that does it for the offense. It does it. We got the offense done set. Send it in the bunk, one Buccaneer place. We figured it out. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're reduced to in the seven weeks until training camp. Well, we got another podcast coming out Friday, so you'll get more of this. We'll do the defense most likely. And I think I've got a surprise player on the defense that I think is going to get cut. Ooh. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. If you'd like to send us any comments about our picks, you can reach us on Twitter at Bucks underscore Observer, by email at mollybay at buccaneersobserver.com or ralph at buccaneersobserver.com. We're also on Facebook. You can just search for us. I don't know how to send a link. I don't know. Facebook.com something. Yeah, just search for it. (laughs) Search for Buccaneers Observer. I share it on Twitter sometimes. So that helps. And we're also on the World Wide Web, buccaneersobserver.com. Until next time. Go Bucks.